Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon with you today as we break down what we saw over the weekend with the Calgary Flames and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Welcome to Hockey Central at noon, everyone. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon with you today. We will be joined by Corey Sarich coming up in about half an hour. Uh, but let's get right to it as we break down Flames Leafs with a man who was part of the call for that game, Peter Labardius. Flames Insider, Peter Labardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Happy Monday, Lubo. How are you today, sir? I'm excellent. Happy Monday to everybody out there. Glad to hear you're doing so well. Uh, We had a fun game to watch. Uh, I think I said Saturday before. It was definitely a game that happened on Sunday. Either way, uh, the the Flames come up just short uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maybe I was just starved for hockey all week with the the Flames being out, but I thought a a really, really entertaining and really well-played hockey game. What did you see between the the Flames and the Leafs for 60 minutes over the weekend? Well, I guess my number one takeaway, Peter, was depending on where you fall on the entertainment side of the coin. What I was most impressed with in the game is I truly feel that the Toronto Maple Leafs from top to bottom are probably a bit of a litmus test in terms of the division I feel has a chance at the top to go through the Leafs. Now, they have to get the job done. So how you measure up against their talent, their depth, and everything that goes hand in hand, honestly, if I'm the Calgary Flames, for the most part, I would put that game on the table against them and most other teams just about every single day or night. I I thought they did an excellent job handling the least best people. Um, Was it perfect? No. Did they have some tough bounces go against them? Absolutely were some of their best players talking about the flames were they in the mix and around it. Absolutely. I I think the only criticism at all of yesterday for me for the flames was might've made it just a tad more difficult on Jack Campbell and on the lease in the house area in terms of ability to get to some loose pucks and create some second and third shot opportunities. But in terms of their ability to roll over lines, Jeff didn't hard match yesterday. Um, Peter, I thought it was a pretty good, you know, maybe not heavyweight fight, but that was a good battle. And, you know, the Leafs were a little more fortunate in the fortuitous category. And, you know, the other takeaway is, could Jacob Markstrom have been any better than he's been by and large, in every single game for this team. There's no way he could be, right? Like, he, he has been, any opportunity that's there, he has been so calm and so well-positioned. And what we talk about, not a whole lot separating these teams, and you mentioned some of the bounces, uh, it really did kind of feel that Lady Luck was the only thing that was separating the Flames and the Leafs last night. Since the opening game in Winnipeg, no one has beat Markstrom with a clean shot. That's three games. (laughs) Every goal is bounced off somebody or something to beat him. Now, you know, again, part of that has something to do with just 
as this team continues to become more familiar with one another about, you know, him reading off his defensemen and, and everybody, you know, getting better at communicating and all those things. But for the most part, I think he has just been absolutely stellar. Stellar. And you think about a lot of key moments yesterday, Marner breakaway, Nylander in the first period. You know, he made some absolutely fabulous grade A stops. And that is what he has given this hockey team every single night. Now, granted, we're only, you know, four games in, but I don't know what else you could want. And here's Jacob himself on, yeah, maybe uh, our group and myself just didn't have any luck around the net yesterday. For sure. It's, uh, you know, it's my lucky bounces, but, you know, we I think we're playing good. And uh, if you keep keep working hard in practice and keep working hard in games and doing the right things, you're going to, you know, hopefully this, these bounces are going to stop. But, you know, we just got to work a little bit harder and create your own luck. It really is just that, like at some point it's going to turn around. And uh, I think that when, when you look at how the Flames are able to play physically, it, it really does feel like a couple bounces are, are going to go their way. And when I think of lines playing physically, I do look to that top line with Lindholm, Kachuk, and, and last night or yesterday afternoon, it was Andrew Mangiapane getting some run with those boys. And um, I, I I think we all kind of assumed once Mangiapane, or when Mangiapane joined that line, it was going to look really well. But man, oh man, I was impressed with how that top line looked on on Sunday against the Leafs. And guess why? Good old plug-and-play, as I'm starting to call them. You just, you know, it's like when your phone's about to go dead. You just plug it in. No matter where you plug Andrew Mangiapane in, you know what you get, Peter? You get great work. You get great work. He drags other people in. And that's not to take anything away from, you know, Lindholm, who's your most complete forward, and Matthew, when he's at his top of his game, you know, is such a difference maker. But, you know, yes, it was not for the best as far as not having Dylan Dubé, but I, against the Leafs, how responsible you have to be, how good the work has to be, how good was he again? He's everywhere. He is around it everywhere. And the greatest part for me of his game has been, Peter, it's not easy for players. And it's one of the reasons, to be honest, and it really ties in today to a bit of a theme, which I usually like to come up with for the show, is the value in playing the game the right way. So think about Andrew, yes, coming out of junior, a six-round pick, but also coming out of junior as a two-time 100-point player. You know what gets in the way of a lot of players when they try to make a jump to the NHL and find consistency? Is the inability to round out your game and become good at all of it, not just the parts that you are good at. And it is his work and his compete and his growing understanding and awareness of how to play without the puck. His work is excellent. And thus the results are getting better and better and better. So I'm glad you went there because, you know, he was the hardest working flame yesterday. And there were many, many 
But I thought he was right at the top of that class. Chatting with our Flames insider, Peter Labardius here on Hockey Central at noon, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I'm Peter Klein. He is Logan Gordon. Lou, maybe quietly for some, uh, the Monaghan-Goudreau pairings off to a pretty good start to this season, and maybe the, the break plays into that, but points in every game for that duo, and they just continued their positive ways uh, on Sunday, I thought. I thought so too. But the guy I wanted to focus in on today is Sean Monaghan. So the analogy I would make, and I had a great conversation about this with our good friend at Flames TV, Brandon Parker. And here's the analogy. You guys are both familiar with golf, right? Correct. Yes. So sometimes when people get in a rut, what do they do? They change their swing. Or they try to change their swing. How many good players, including Tiger Woods, go through swing changes? And when that happens, in order to do it right and change – can't there be some hard times that go hand in hand? You know, your score probably goes up. It doesn't feel comfortable. Well, the analogy that I'm trying to get at is in the assessment of Sean Monahan, so much, and I understand why, is about his ability to score and produce points. But unlike other people that I've heard at times, you know, the story now is, well, you're deeper, so you can protect him and Johnny different. No, not for me. You know what's happened for me? Yes. And we've talked about it a lot that the pairing of Lindholm and Kachuk has changed the framework. But haven't you guys ever thought about maybe one of the reasons why they were able to put Lindholm in the middle is because of the increased value that they see in Sean's 200-foot game and his ability, which falls so much on the center, not just with the puck, but how you play without it and how you play in your own zone and the fact that you can become more trustworthy against other teams' top players. Does that factor in? It sure factors in for me. So, yes, we can quickly go to, you know, it allows you to utilize them in a more advantageous way, and I don't disagree with that theory. But I'm also not going to poo-poo the fact that Sean, who I've seen excellent growth in in his 200-foot game, also deserves some credit for you being able to make the move and create a new pairing and more balance and a team that yesterday also showed now you can roll your lines over even against a group like Toronto and still virtually a lot of nights when you play right. That's the thing, right? Matchups are great. Utilization is great. But you know what that means if you don't win the matchups? Or you, or you don't hold up your end of the bargain when you're playing other teams' good players, it doesn't mean very much. You can create all the advantages you want. And coaches, you know, I'm not frustrated, but sometimes the easy, low-hanging fruit is that, well, why didn't they try this before? Well, let's give people in the hockey business a little credit. 
most of the time I'm pretty sure they know what they're doing. And there's a reason sometimes why on the surface it looks easier than it is. And part of it is because you can't put people in situations until, A, you have other options, and, B, they're ready to do it different. Look at Sean's stat line again. Logan, you talked about it. He scored in four straight games, points-wise. His face-offs are in a good spot. Had eight shots on goal yesterday. And while, yes, last year there were a lot of growing pains in order to grow his 200-foot game, couldn't you make the case that after the swing change, if you will, like there's value, guys, in doing it the right way. And it's hard when your calling card is to produce points and they're not coming. Don't you think it would be frustrating? It's like going on a diet. And for three weeks, you do it right. And the scale doesn't change, if that's your goal. That becomes a mental fight in terms of, is the work worth it? Is the work worth it? Well, I asked Ryan Huska yesterday in the post-game show about Sean and that analogy, and here's what he had to offer up. When we watch video after the game and you look at our own zone and you have a good center support or low coverage down low and you look for a forward that should be there, usually all of our positive clips were we'd see number 28 <laughs> down low. But the great thing about it now is there's 23 is starting to take over with a lot of those positive clips where I think he's gained a lot of confidence in how he has to play away from the puck. And as I said earlier, um, that's leading to more offensive time for him. And I think that line looks kind of rejuvenated again, which is cool for us. And that's an important growth step, too, to have the coaches start to notice that, too. Because, I mean, he mentions right there, you know, we're used to seeing 28 do all of those things, and now all of a sudden 23's doing them, but he's also putting the offense up this year. Guys, one of the hardest sells, and you can even ask Mr. Sarge this at the bottom of the hour. One of the hardest sells can be to have players understand that the better you are without the puck gives you more time with the puck. And when good people who have skills and capabilities have the puck more, what do you think can happen more? That's what gets lost in a lot of the conversations. That's why I hammer it or at least try to hammer it and hopefully have people just think it not necessarily the way I want to, but maybe think different. When, when I'm an offensive player, but on a lot of shifts, if I'm underwater for 35 seconds of the 50 that I play, what are my chances of doing what I want to do and dictating to my opponent? That clip from Ryan Huska to me about Sean Monaghan said it all. It said it all. Continuing our conversation here with Peter Labardius on Hockey Central at noon. Um, practice on the go right now for the Flames. Uh, best I can tell from social media, uh, it does not include Dylan Dubé as he continues to be day-to-day with that lower body injury. Uh, I'm assu- It does appear everything is staying the same, but has to be frustrating for, for Dylan Dubé as this, uh, th- this lower body injury continues to, to slow down his season. Well, for sure, and it's frustrating for the team, and you'd love to have him, and he was off to a really nice start. And in a sense, 
you know, when you play him, we talked about Mangiapane, Peter. When you play him where he was playing with Lindholm and Kachuk, well, the thing that I like about it, too, is that now, you know, for a team that, to me, when you look at this group, I, I love a lot of their pairings. What we haven't yet found out is about, you know, when we arrive at feeling even better about your trios. But, you know, when the pairings are, you know, at the top of the ledger, when you've got Backlund and Mangiapane and you've got Gaudreau and Monaghan and when you've got Lindholm and Kachuk, it's a pretty good place to start, don't you think? And, and I don't want to take away from Derek Ryan and, and Milan Lucic. And another guy I thought yesterday was excellent with his minutes in his first game back since opening night was Joachim Nordstrom. I thought mm-hmm. Nordstrom and that, and that group, you know, they don't get as many minutes, but all you can do is do the best with the minutes you're given. So for sure you miss Dylan because it, it doesn't allow you to be as strong as you possibly could be from top to bottom. But it's good that you have all plug and play to, you know, <laughs> put pretty much in, in a lot of different spots. And that's, that's Mr. Mangiapane and, you know, one of the interesting takeaways for me going into tomorrow, and we'll flush it out a little bit more, is if, you know, it doesn't look like Dylan's going to come back. I, I wouldn't think there'd be much of a need. It doesn't look like it from what I've been able to witness so far in practice that the Flames would require many changes. Um, you know, the group that I'll really be focused on, and I thought they were just fine yesterday, uh, especially defensively, was the backland group with Bennett Mm -hmm. and Levo, you know, they were fine, but again, not to repeat myself, but to repeat myself, um, you know, when Michael Backlund and his group is not just a great defensive group for you, but can really move the needle in terms of generating momentum and creating chances, this team just doesn't get beat very often. So yesterday I thought in terms of responsible, defensive play I thought they were just fine we'll see tomorrow one of the storylines for me for tomorrow will be you know can Michael in particular elevate in a sense and see if he's a more dangerous offensive player with Bennett and Levo yeah um just want to to duck away from the flames for a a quick second as there was a um a major move that happened over the weekend as uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois gets his wish. Uh, he is on his way out of Columbus. Some were saying that he wants a bigger stage. I don't know if I would consider Winnipeg that, but he is on his way to the Jets. Uh, Patrick Laine and Ross Levick on their way to Columbus. Um, I'm interested at, at your thoughts at how this all went down and now the, the end result with a, a pretty major trade going down over the weekend. Well, as you guys... At least I know Logan heard. It, it took up our whole segment on Friday, and, and I thought there was lots of good reason because, you know, it's it's a big situation. It had a massive trade at the end of it. I think, and I'd like to hear from, from you guys too, I think with two disgruntled players, how difficult that would be for the teams involved thinking about their future, who would fit, what you need, contracts, where your team is organizationally, 
I would have to, and it's not, you know me, I'm not afraid to say what I think. It's not just political speak. I think both teams did well. And I might say on the surface with Columbus that they got two potentially excellent assets for one. Jack Mm -hmm. Roslevic, as much as no one's talking about Jack Roslevic, you know, he has yet to find his way in the National Hockey League. If he becomes a staple in their top nine or maybe in their top six, and, you know, Line A is rejuvenated and upholds his end of the bargain, I think Columbus did pretty well. And on the other side of the fence, you know, for the Winnipeg Jets, when you think about an aging Wheeler and all their depth and any time you have a chance to have a one-two punch that features Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois with all their high-end people up front, have to commend the other side too. What do you guys think? I like it. Um, and I do think it's one that works for both sides. I agree that Roslovic is kind of the, the X factor in this whole thing where if he turns into a dude, then this is an absolute home run for for Columbus. But we, we look back at that Winnipeg Jets team that played the, the Calgary Flames in the bubble and how it was pretty apparent after Shifley and once little, like, as soon as Little went down for a long time, um, you kind of knew they were a, a little soft down the middle, and then Shifley goes down, there was just nothing. Boy, have they fixed a depth problem down the middle there now with Stasny and Dubois in the last few months. So I, I think it's going to be fascinating to follow. I, I think Columbus gets two very good players, but weakens themselves at, a mo- at the most important position, aside from goalie. And the, the Winnipeg Jets, maybe they don't have the same scoring punch without Line A, but now they're set down the middle for the next forever. So, Logo, I, I do think that there's a bit of a gamble on both sides, but I really like this trade for both teams. Yeah, I do too. I think that Ross Levick's probably more than a, a, throw, a throw-in in in this deal just because he was having a, a contract dispute doesn't mean he's just a, another piece to this. He, I think he could be a big piece to, to kind of swing this trade one way or the other because I think that we have a pretty good sense on both sides. We know, for the most part, what, what Liney is and what he's about, and I think that we're all expecting Dubois to grow into a potential number one center role. And if you're talking about you know, needs and, and trading those sort of things for each other, it's not the worst thing to do. You both you know, moved on from what you could consider a, an issue within your organization, and hopefully it's greener pastures for both sides. But on paper, I don't think you can find a a distinct loser in this. You're both getting a young, exciting piece in the coming from the same draft. It's just they're different positions right now. Guys, here what here's what I don't know. So here's what I do know is in both cases, Patrick Line and Pierre Luc Dubois found reasons to be unhappy. Not to say that they weren't warranted, and obviously they were in their own mind, we still don't know exactly why on both accounts and, and maybe never will, but they both want it out. So, Hey, now that you apparently have new greener pastures, what are you going to do with it? And the part that I don't love on both accounts is yes, everybody should be free to work and prosper just like all of us 
where we want to. But now, okay, fellas, you're this, you're that, you're this star, you're worth this, you need to play more, you need to play somewhere different. What do you got? Because, yep. so apparently, in part, now I'm, I think, and you guys may have seen it, was there not some reference in Finland today about Line maybe having some difficulty with Shifley and Wheeler? So I thought I saw a little of that. I have no idea if there's any merit to that whatsoever. But I do know that Pierre-Luc Dubois wanted out because he whatever, for whatever reason, over and above just John Tortorella. But guess what? If you want to be the number one guy, you're now in a stable with lots of other number one guys, including Mark Shifley. How are you going to handle that one? Yeah, and as we saw through this process, um, they're both going away from coaches who are pretty hard-nosed, but both going to coaches who don't really have a whole lot of time for that sort of a thing if you're not really pulling the rope in the right direction. Paul Maurice, like, do not kid yourself. And it's funny because, you know, listen, I've been so blessed and so lucky to learn so much and be around so many incredible coaches and GMs and scouts and this crazy thousand year career I've got going on. Um, But Paul Maurice, make no mistake. This guy has been who he's been for a long time because he knows what he wants. He knows what he values and he knows how to get it. So John might do it in a different way. But I guarantee you, you sat both those guys down in a room in terms of what they value and what matters. The methods sometimes, at least in the public, might be different. I don't think the want and what they prioritize is different. Mm-hmm. Lou, awesome as always, man. This was fun. We will do it again tomorrow as we get ready for round two between the Flames and the Leafs. Have a great day, everyone. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Logo and myself aren't the only ones who get to ask Peter Labardius questions. Uh, I guess Kelly Kirsch does as well. Uh, but you can too uh, by sending your questions to sportsnet.ca slash 960. Tuning in Fridays at noon to see if your question is answered. If it is, you get 100 bucks to Ruth's Chris to use as soon as they are open. Winners will be selected weekly until the end of the regular season. Brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, Calgary's best steakhouse located in the heart of downtown. Looking forward to celebrating with you again soon. Go Flames go. We will continue on with the Flames conversation next as Corey Sarich will tell us one aspect of the Flames game that was missing Saturday against Toronto. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. After a lengthy break, the Flames fall Sunday afternoon to the Leafs. Welcome back to Hockey Central at noon. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon, continuing to break this game down with our next guest. He is uh, one of the guys we've been bringing on after Flames games. There was one on Sunday. We'll talk about it today. That is Corey Sarich. Corey, how are you today, sir? I'm doing great. How are you, Peter? 
I'm doing well, thank you very much. It was nice to, to have the Flames back on, and uh, a pretty close hockey game last night. Didn't seem like there was a, a lot separating the, the Flames and the Leafs, but you thought that the Flames could have made life maybe a little bit more difficult for Toronto yesterday. Yeah, it was just one of those games where it was... Technically, it wasn't a bad game for, for either team. I believe the, the Flames gave up a few more chances than than the Leafs. Um, they definitely gave up a few more chances from the center of the ice and outnumbered chances such as breakaways, and Markstrom stood on his head. It's just with the Maple Leafs and their roster, like like a lot of the teams in the league these days, you've got to push the puck behind them. You've got to make them play in their own end. You've got to make it really difficult for those forwards in transition trying to get up ice into the offensive zone. And it was kind of, it wasn't a run and gun game by any means, but there was just lots of room for the Toronto Maple Leafs to skate. And I think that just, you know, kind of plays right into their hands. And it's something we've talked about before in these, right? Where when the Flames are doing those things that you mentioned, it doesn't really matter who they're playing, they're going to be successful. And this is just another one of those cases where it's like, all right, you played well, but this area was lacking. And oh, would you look at that? You come up on the wrong side. Like the that, that formula that you laid out is really a formula for success for this Flames team, regardless of the opposition, right? Yeah, they've got they've got enough grit and they've got enough defensive wherewithal to just make it a little more difficult on the other teams. Um, started the game, the Flames came out with a lot of jump. I liked what I saw, although their chances tended to be from the outside. And but they progressively got better as the game went on, and it's to be expected that they might not be firing on all cylinders with that break. But again, you you've got to make it hard for teams. Uh, you you can't. You can't rely on your goaltender. I mean, Markstrom, if he didn't do what he did in the second period, it, it could have been a completely different game. And then his solid play continued on into the third. So they've just got to get a little more support in front of them and, and cut down on a few of those chances um, because I don't think he's going to be, keep, be able to keep them all out. Yeah, and that, that's another one where he was excellent. And on the other side, uh, Jack Campbell had a, a very good game for, for Toronto as well. Um, that, as you mentioned, maybe life could have been a bit more difficult for him at times. But uh, the, the goaltending, a real story in that game Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it was, it was pretty impressive to watch both, both of them. And what really impressed me about Jack Campbell was his ability to control his rebounds. Besides the, the couple goals that the Flames scored where... You know, they had a couple couple chances at the puck, you know, um, Monaghan scoring at the side of the net and slipping one past him. If you look to the, some of the saves he made in the third period, Jack Campbell, uh, point blank on uh, Matthew Kachuk a couple of times. Uh, Matthew did slip one between his net and it, or between his legs, and it unfortunately missed the net. But besides maybe a couple opportunities, it was one shot, and he either had it in his glove, smothered it on the ice, fell on top of it. And it was... Yeah, that was that was a really solid performance on his part. The only other thing that I, I wish that we could have got a little bit more out of the Flames was just some better execution on their outnumbered opportunities. Um, they had a couple chances with some two-on-ones to test Campbell again, get some shots off. But unfortunately, one of the Leafs players made a great play with his glove when Mangiapane and Backlund came in two-on-one. Uh, puck rolled over Giordano's stick on an odd number chance. So I would have liked to have been able to see them get those chances on Jack Campbell. But again, take nothing away from the goaltender. He was, he was definitely a factor in that win for Toronto. Chatting with Corey Sarich here on Hockey Central and Noon Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I'm Peter Klein. He is Logan Gordon.
Corey, I wanted to ask you the story that a lot of Flames fans have noticed over the last couple of games, and I know they brought it up on the broadcast, is the amount of pucks that are getting past Jacob Markstrom, not necessarily off of the opponent's shot, but it's either been a, a tip-in off of a Calgary defender's stick or off of his skate. Is there a way as a defender that you can help control that if you're Calgary's D, or are these just sort of the bounces you live with in pro hockey? Yeah, I think you can't get too discouraged right now. I mean, it's been a rash of them all at once. Um, there, there'd only be maybe a couple of them that you can improve upon. Let's say the, the third goal by the Maple Leafs that kind of deflects off of Austin Matthews and then hits Rasmus Anderson in the skate and goes to the net. I mean, that was an extended shift by the Flames down at the other end. They were trying to get some offense going, got caught in their own end, probably a little tired, running out of position. Those are things as a defender, if you're in a little better position, you maybe some of those goals don't happen because you're not in scramble mode. But let's look at a couple of the other goals going off of Leafs players, uh, off of Dominic Simone. There's nothing you can do about those. And the really positive thing, even though there has been some negative with all these crazy bounces, is just that play of, of Markstrom. All the point-blank chances, I mean, if, if we rewind the tape from last game, there was... There was seven of them, maybe more. I don't know how many he's faced in the previous games, but there's obviously been quite a few of them, and he has been razor sharp. So this will pass. I, I, I don't think you can – there's not a lot as a defender you can do except for adjust your position, maybe be a, a little bit earlier. But other than that, just really crappy luck. We're going into uh, another situation the Flames will have to get used to, and that's seeing the same team multiple times – what adjustments do you do you make heading into a, a game like tomorrow where you, you played pretty well, but you just didn't get the result? Is it just sort of keeping the faith and bringing that same game to the table and hoping for a better result on Tuesday? I don't think you want to leave it to hope. I think you do need to make some adjustments. I think that they need to get more traffic in front of whoever's going to be a net, and I'm assuming it's going to be Anderson. Um got to make life a little more miserable so that there are some rebounds and you can get to those pucks. Uh, if we look at the Maple Leafs, they had 15 block shots last game, some coming from Austin Matthews, a pile of them from Zach Bogosian. The Flames did move the puck around well at times, but they've got to find a way to get those point shots through. That's, that's critical, even if it's getting by the player so that it gets down low for where the offense can continue. So that's another, another point of concentration for them. I think there were a few defensive hiccups where you let the Maple Leafs escape. Um, obviously, a giveaway by Lucic. Um, Nesterov and uh, Valamaki were caught for one that got where a guy broke in behind them. Those are adjustments. You just don't need to give up those extra extra plays and extra pressure on your goaltender, so shoring up a little bit defensively. And then back to my first point, I think you've got to make it harder on the Toronto Maple Leafs for, forwards. Um the Flames defended well, but I think you have to go out of your road to get on these guys early, make their transition through the neutral zone really, really difficult, and that'll that'll pan out for some turnovers for the Flames and some transitional plays that hopefully result in offense. And my last one for you, Corey, I'm just curious as to what you think. The coaching staff's been big on the, the power play and being able to use Rasmus Anderson in that right-handed shot at the top of the power play to either open it up to Monaghan in the slot or bring that one-timer in from down low. Is that what you're seeing too? Because the Flames power play hasn't really looked this good 
in a couple of years. And the biggest change that I think you can bring to that group is that Anderson is at the top of the power play this year. Yeah, it's a fresh face. I, I've been really impressed with the decisions he's made with the puck. Um, if you look at a couple of his his uh, handles up up walking the blue line, um, smart plays. That's sometimes maybe a little bit scary, but he has confidence in himself, and you know that helps. That helps and goes a long way on a power play. If a guy's handling the puck, uh, shooting the puck with confidence, um, it has freed up Sean Monahan, and he's he's re- the result of it has been some great slot shots for Monahan. Um, I, I think if, if there's any room for improvement, it's just that the Flames, the odd time, give the puck away on a few of their steam passes. But it's to be expected. You've got to make those plays. Um, they're looking for each other. Puck movement has been great. So I, I think Rasmus Anderson, if not just being a fresh face, his shot, you know, it brings in another element that maybe a TJ Brody didn't have back there. I know Gio has a great shot, but I'm really impressed with, with this kid so far and the way he can get that puck through to the net. So um, I just hope things continue for the Flames in, in the power play department. It's, it's looked solid, and it's, it's such a huge part of the game, and that can take pressure off other parts of your game. So I hope it keeps rolling. Uh, last one for me now, Corey. We're just uh, shifting away from the Flames for a moment as uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Patrick Laine, part of a blockbuster deal in the NHL over the weekend. A big story in this was John Tortorella's reaction to Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, maybe not giving 110% on a, a shift and benching him for most of his last game with the Columbus Blue Jackets. You have plenty of experience playing for Torts. Uh, he certainly comes across a certain way on the outside. Uh, what What is he like to, to play for and how difficult is it to work in and out of uh, his doghouse? Because it appears he certainly has one. It's not easy to work out of it. <laughs> I, saw some, <laughs> I saw some guys, I saw some guys get in it, Vinny LeCavalier, um, other players throughout the course of uh, my tenure with the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> but staying out of it is not that difficult. I was, I was thinking about the things that he demanded of us. First and foremost, it's hard work. And like, let's get serious. Dubois, watching his shifts from the previous few games, it, it, it's embarrassing and it, it rings clear. I, I mean, that's, that's insulting to your teammates, but as a coach, it's got to be extremely frustrating. And I think, I think Tortorella's actions were, were bang on. So John Tortorella demands, yeah, the old cliche, 110%. You work hard for, for him and things will, things will usually, usually work, your, work themselves out for you. He'll have patience with you. He'll allow you to, like I said, work through stuff. He'll work with you. He wants you to get better. He wants you to improve. He doesn't, he's not out there to try and bury you. The other thing I know that would drive John Tortorella mad is not learning from your mistakes. He is ultimately, I've had discussions with my old teammates. He is ultimately wanting to teach. He is one of the most detailed guys in the game. The amount of time he spends breaking down video, going over ways that his team can improve. I'm sure for a, a young guy like Dubois, it's improving defensively. You can't sometimes can't help these guys offensively. You have to put them in situations to flourish, but you've got to be a little more responsible. You've got to help your teammates out. You can't be selfish. You have to pick the right spots offensively and learn when to bear down a little bit more defensively. That would drive John Tortorella nuts. If he kept seeing repeat mistakes over and over and over. And if you keep having to talk about the same stuff, I mean, you're an adult, you're an athlete. You're at the top level. 
if you're not smart enough to figure it out, well, it, the onus has to fall on your shoulders. Corey, awesome as always, man. This is uh, always a, a lot of fun and something I look forward to. We'll do it again later in the week as it's uh, a busy week now for the Calgary Flames. Yeah, and it's kind of funny how John Tortorella tends to get everybody fired up. I'm fired up just trying to pay him some compliments <laughs> and get behind him here. <laughs> yeah, he, he certainly has a way of motivating people, hey? Yeah, it's just uh, it's kind of uncanny, but work hard. You'll be fine in Torch's book. Uh, good message for anyone's book, really, as well. Uh, Corey, thanks for doing this. We'll chat again soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Peter. Logan, have a great one. You too. There is Corey Sarich joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline for takeout and delivery. When you're tired of cooking, call 403-248-3344 Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. Coming up next, a huge early game in the Canadian division. We'll give it a preview as we look ahead to the Sens and the Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Just one game on the National Hockey League schedule today. Welcome back to Hockey Central Noon. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon. We talk on the radio. Um, Logo, I, I have a couple of things of note from this game. The first one we don't need to go too deep into, but I think... It is utterly ridiculous that we had a full slate of hockey yesterday going up against the National Football League playoffs, and then today, with not a damn thing going on, there's one game at 8 o'clock. I think we could have leveled this playing field a little bit uh, a little bit more. I, I don't think Pat needed to be hosting a Flames game while the, his Tampa Bay Bucks were off advancing to the Super Bowl. That, that felt like a juggernaut the NHL probably didn't need to go up against. I guess it's all the it all depends on how you look at it if you're the NHL if you feel like you have a good enough matchup that you can maybe steal some viewers I mean you're not going to win the ratings battle but if you can take a chunk and you know perhaps get enough interest in your own product that you feel like it's worthwhile then I mean all power to you you make the schedule not me um I am with you that I I do in all of this that I don't think it's a smart idea I don't know why you would bother um, those were two premier games in the NFL yesterday, and I don't know that uh, Flames Leafs were, you know, a, a blip on the schedule for the NFL. I don't think they're going to sit there and go, "Oh, damn it!" If they had only moved that Toronto Calgary game, you know, <laughs> we would have been rating supreme. Uh, I don't think any of that's happening. So, yeah, it's a bit frustrating, and I'm sure Flames fans were. Uh, and Leafs fans were probably, you know, caught like most of us were, which is, you know, flipping between both of them in some capacity and probably not getting as much enjoyment out of it if you had spent the whole time on it like you normally would. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. A, a multiple screen experience was required to, to keep up with everything yesterday. But alas, we do just have the one game in the NHL tonight. But I do think it's kind of an important one as Ottawa takes on Vancouver. And these are... Uh, two teams that had varying degrees of expectations, I will say, going into the season. But Vancouver has been dreadful, I think, this season. I, I don't believe I am overstating things. Sitting at 2-5, and five, the only team that's worse than them in the North Division right now are the Ottawa Senators. And that's because Ottawa's played two fewer games than Vancouver. It, it's been a disastrous start for the Canucks. They're already minus 13 in goal differential. Logo, I, I don't want to say... I, I feel like I'm overreacting a little bit. There's still 49 games left in the season, but it kind of feels like the Canucks are really taking on water now. I, I, I don't want to say must win because it's still extremely early. It's game eight. But this this kind of has an important feel to Vancouver tonight for me. Am I overstating this one a little bit? 
No, I don't think so. I don't think you can uh, like calling it must win is the obvious cliche that that never yeah. is probably accurate unless it's a one game. You know, if you don't win the Super Bowl, you you must win. You know, that's a little bit different. But in a regular season sense, to say that a game's you know has important to this point of the year, I think is is still fair because we've talked about it in full regular seasons plenty of times that you know winning these games early doesn't necessarily mean your season's going to be a success the same way as losing early doesn't mean, but it sure as hell makes it a lot easier down the road. And climbing out of a two and five hole for your Vancouver is already a tough place to be. And I don't care that you have your next three against Ottawa. They're not a pushover this year. Um, They're going to be wanting to win these games. And, you know, even coming out of it two and one doesn't put you back at 500 if you're Vancouver. So, that's, you know, the tough spot that we're talking about for them right now is they're already in a position where, guess what, if you do sweep the Senators at this point, you're back to 500. That's not getting it done in this division, I think, when it's all said and done. I don't think the top four teams in this division at number four is going to be a 500 hockey team. So right. it's a it's a really tough spot for them. And I think that it's it's easy to say it's more important for them because – not just because it's early, but because of the way they've played. There just hasn't been a lot of positives to their game lately. So just to get anything positive and going in the right direction for Vancouver at this point seems like a a big task. Yeah, well, and that's the thing too, right? Like, it's not like here where we're talking about the Flames, A, only four games in, but B, yesterday, I I do believe, came down to a a little bit of bad luck. And while Corey was right, you do create your own luck. Uh, I do think that there was a little bit of it that just didn't play in the Flames' favor. That ain't what they're talking about in Vancouver. They are getting outplayed soundly. And I, I think that the, the problems are, are pretty big out in Vancouver. And, and if they if they look bad tonight against Ottawa, I, I'm i not saying you, you blow up the franchise and you're trading everything, but it, it just it, it gets close to panic button time in a city that is very rapid at pushing the, the panic button. So I, I'm interested to see this one tonight. And from a, an Ottawa Senators perspective, like they're one, three, and one. That's kind of where you think they are going to be in this Canadian division. But you're right. Like it, it's not going to be an easy one for the Vancouver Canucks tonight. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Do, do you do you have a prediction? Do you think Vancouver is able to work their way out of this one? Oh, predictions are a fool's errand here, PK. Yeah, early, early uh, regular season NHL predictions. Let's roll with it. That, that yeah. is remarkably unfair for me to ask. But you know, let me do, let's just let's do the Peter Klein thing and pray for chaos. Let's get let's go for an Ottawa win tonight and uh, watch Canucks Twitter tear themselves apart for the evening. I think oh that gosh. might be uh, that that that's what that's what I'm praying for. That that never that fan base man just you know six seven games in and they just want everybody gone and everything fired and every decision was yep. the worst one. Um, for the sake of curiosity and just to see how hot that seat can get, uh, I would love to see the Senators win tonight. Oh, if it's like 4-1 going into the third, like, just look for, just search, like, Elias Patterson. Five minutes in, Senators score. I just, I just want to see it. Oh, see, you know what? I feel like you've always had a touch of the chaos in you, but I, I feel like I've brought it out and I feel very proud about this. Yeah, you've rubbed off on me in uh, in more than one way. 
Oh, well, that's a drop. Uh, anyway, Logo just said that in the Iconic Studio, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls, proudly owned and operated from Western Canada since 2008. They take great pride in giving back to the communities we all work and live in. This is now year four of our partnership with Iconic. Really proud to have their logo all over the studio. Can't wait till I can go back in there to see it. Uh, but community, it's Iconic. Follow them on Twitter at Iconic E. See, it was a very busy weekend in the world of sports. The Super Bowl is set. Conor McGregor goes down in Abu Dhabi. And the Flames and Leafs had a pretty good one. We will break that one down in our one of the big show, which kicks off next.